Hello, and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast. <laughs> Where we take uncomfortably long pauses and celebrate romanticism through art, storytelling, <laughs> music, poetry, creating, and drinking things. <laughs> Tea. Silence. Drinking silence. Drink in the silence. Drink in the silence. Drink in the namaste. Because namaste. <laughs> Hi, my name is Legs McGee uh, Trey. And my name is Tilly. Also Emily. <laughs> <laughs> if you are listening to this podcast, you might be interested to know we are all we also stream this live on Twitch a whole week in advance. So if you want to catch the video interview live and interact with our guests via the chat, visit twitch.tv slash the modern romantic and follow our social media channels for announcements on who we are having on. Um, Emily, I will ask, would you like to introduce our guest today? Absolutely. Um, Lindsay Stewart is with us today. She, it, I mean, if she isn't just a powerhouse of a human being, um, <laughs> she's a cosplayer, she's a performer, singer, dancer, Mrs. Claus. She's a phenomenal costumer. She has her own TED Talk. Um, and she's married to our friend, Michael Stewart, a.k.a. the Lord Mayor Bullfrog. So, ladies and gentlemen, folk of the realm, ready or not, here she is, Lindsay Stewart. Yay! Hi, everybody. <laughs> thank you for having me today. Oh, Absolutely. thank you for coming on. We're so excited to talk to you, finally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we you, had I... Michael on over a month ago now. Yes. And uh, that was fun. And uh, we thought, it's it's time. We've wanted to talk to you then. It's just scheduling you know well and one of the things you learn with two dynamic entertainers is nobody else gets a word in edgewise if we're both on at the same time <laughs> yeah having you both <laughs> on at the same time would have been a couple hour <laughs> ordeal Absolutely. in a good way in a good way yes yes <laughs> i i honestly have to say going through that interview i don't think anyone has talked so highly of their of their significant other um yeah it was honestly, it was incredibly touching. Um, he's incredibly funny, but he seems like an incredibly endearing man. He's absolutely wonderful and incredibly sweet and delightfully silly and keeps me on my toes. And I, I lucked out, you know, lots of uh, lots of people growing up who love fairy tales and stories think that they're going to kiss a frog and get a prince. I kissed a frog and got a Lord Mayor. And I feel like that's a better exchange. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. I got myself a bullfrog and it was wonderful. It is Aww. wonderful. It is. it is. And for to our audience, if you haven't listened yet, um, the <laughs> interview with Michael Stewart, who is the Lord Mayor Bullfrog, is on um, our po any of podcast outlets. So we're on Spotify and Audible and iTunes and all that. So you can you can go back and look that one up. If you want to hear us describe a frog puppet via podcast and describe <laughs> yeah. what it's wearing and then be laughing for like a solid hour and a half straight, like, <laughs> please, yes. we encourage you. We were not ready. <laughs> no, nobody really is. You know, um, Michael and I have frequently joked that, that part of the reason that we absolutely had to be together and get married is so that we could quarantine all of the overexcited dynamic entertainer nerd dad joke telling stuff in one roof so that the rest of Charlotte would know like how to avoid all of that if that is not their cup of tea. 
you've contained it. It's just it. a lot. Sim- it's just, it, it's, you know, quarantined under one place, which meant something very different more than two years ago. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, speaking of, speaking of tea, uh, Lindsay, before the show started, you were telling us that you have a very interesting mug on. Uh, would you like to show us? I certainly would. So this is my absolutely giant, and I love it, um, gray Cinderella Castle mug. Um, Michael and I are huge fans of Disney and storytelling and fantasy. And this mug frequently gets used by our friends at the North Pole when they need a really big hot chocolate for sharing on story time when they're calling in remotely um, to work with children in libraries and special events and things. So I had to bring a little bit of Mrs. Claus with me today. I love that mug. It's a castle mm-hmm. and it's got the handle is got scroll like a swirly scroll. It's so cool. It's like, yeah, a it's got a lot of pretty hand. architectural kind of elements to it. It's three dimensional. Um, so it feels really nice in your hand. Yeah. Um, so I really, really love my mug. So that was my mug for today. Love that. I just have a hydro flask full of water because we're going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hydrating. <laughs> How about you, Trey? I have my uh, Snoopy mug with different colored Snoopies all across it. Um, it's one that I've had on the show before, uh, but it's one that I love to come back to because it holds an incredible amount of beverage in it, whatever that should be. Uh, and it just makes me happy. And it's, it really depicts like Snoopy dancing, doesn't it? From what I could tell there. Yeah, actually. Um Though it is a little odd, I'll point out the fact that he goes from like walking to like somehow falling in midair to doing a cartwheel <laughs> to then like dancing up and down. So it's this very interesting dynamic. And I'm not sure if it's uh, just the the buoyancy inside of his brain or what's really going on. But uh, I would really have to talk to Char- Charles Schultz about that. You know, it's like we're getting into Snoopy's imagination for what he thinks the dance would look like. Because right? yes. he spent a lot of time being creative and daydreaming and fighting the Red Baron and all kinds mm-hmm. of things. So maybe it's part of Snoopy's vision of what his dances look like. Very true. Very true. So, oh, sorry, were you going to say something? About- I was just going to say, I think back in the day I've seen you do that dance, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, Legs McGee. That's where <laughs> That's Legs right. comes from. <laughs> legs McGee. You know, that's Uh, one thing I didn't explain was I picked Tilly because Tilly was my invisible friend when I was a kid. Oh, I love that. So it's possible Tilly's here with us today. We'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually chose Legs McGee because I'm like six foot four. And (laughs) at least 70% of me is nothing but legs. (laughs) I am not quite as tall as you, Trey, but I am 5'11 barefoot. And it is mostly leg as well. I get it. Uh, I, I get lots of questions about it when I'm when I'm playing with kids and I'm in character. They'll look up and they'll realize to the very top of my frosted tipped hair, Elsa is about six foot four in her heels and her very fabulous wow. hair. And wow. I just laugh and I say, well, I'm tall like the fjords of Arendelle. It's easier for my people to look up to me. You should see Kristoff. <laughs> and it usually gets a giggle and everybody's everybody's good to go. They don't know. They've never been to Arendelle. Maybe we're super tall there. That is... Uh, okay, did you come up with that on the spot? Or did you like... I did. Have to... I did. I spend a lot of time with kids who ask me unusual questions. And so that improv background that I've got with Renaissance Festival and just not having a script is incredibly helpful. 
I've also got a husband who keeps me on my toes the rest of the season that's not Ren Fair. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be quick on the draw in our house. I believe that. I was wondering, actually, when I was prepping for this, if and and I was when I was thinking of things to talk to you about, one of the things that came to mind and I actually wasn't sure if I should bring it up, but I was like, does he ever just spew at you random history facts? Right. So, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, not only does he spew random history facts and it'll come from nowhere, yes. just out of the blue. He just has this thought and it delights him and he must share it. Um, but Michael is forever thinking and, and forever sharing his thoughts, uh, including in his sleep. So every so often there will be some random year or a famous figure from history. And you just go, right, I need to ask him about what he was dreaming about. <laughs> <laughs> when I first met you, we were both judging a costume contest for a Comic-Con. And mm -hmm. I, um, I had judged them before. And one of the judges I had judged with was... Um, a girl named Amberl. And when I sat down in the chair at the table where we were going to judge, um, there was a woman to my left and I thought it was Amberl and I proceeded as if it was Amberl, but it was you and you were taking her place that day. And that's how we met because for a solid five minutes, I thought that's who you were. And I talked to you thusly. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I understand. I, being a costumer and a cosplayer and spending a lot of times in, in wigs and makeup, I'll, if we spend time together in costume, it's likely that people are going to confuse us in different costumes. I have, uh, I've got one friend in particular in the Charlotte area who is six foot one and we get mistaken for each other all of the time. So much so that when I see her, I say, Hey, the last con I was given three high fives, four hugs and two cheek kisses to deliver to you. Cause they thought I was you. <laughs> And so we just have an exchange of like welcomes and greetings from friends who mistook us for each other. Well, that's kind of cute though. <laughs> we know like it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of nice. And everybody goes home happy. Everybody goes home happy. Yeah. Lindsay, the one thing uh, when, um, when Emily introduced you to being on this podcast and we started looking through all the things that you've done, um, she mentioned the word powerhouse and I just kind of went, what are we, how, who, where do we even start with that? <laughs> so I, I just kind of have to ask, how did you, how, how, I'm sorry, that <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry, I can't uh, formulate more of a question than that, but um, how did you get to be where you are? I come from two very creative parents and I came from a very magical childhood. Um, so when I was growing up, um, every Christmas morning, I would wake up to a Polaroid photo in the top of my stocking that was Santa kissing me on the forehead goodnight. Any morning that I, after I had lost a tooth, I would wake up to a cracked windowsill and a trail of fairy dust and a letter from Tinkerbell, which was the name of our tooth fairy. Um, like I grew up in this, like, let's play pretend, let's play make believe magical household. And we all participated in it. And one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to pass that on to others. Um, so I went from sort of magic believer to magic giver. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's where all of my interests end up coming, coming from and steering me. So, much, so many of them are geared towards bringing magic into children's lives with all of the different characters that I play. But I, I delight, I try to delight as many people uh, as I possibly can, whether they are children at heart or children in body. I like that both. <laughs> oh, children come in all shapes and sizes and ages. Yes, we do. You just have to tap into what <laughs> what what their heart needs at that moment. That is so true. We're kids. We get really silly and goofy here. Just I play a... dress up for a living. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> give us like an hour. We'll uh we'll we'll get a lot more silly. Delightful. <laughs> I'm ready. The tea hasn't taken any effect yet. <laughs> tea. So earlier you described yourself as like one of the OG cosplayers. The I'm I'm kind of an older cosplayer. Yeah, I've been I've been doing this since 2005. Okay. But um, I mean like before cosplaying was really a bigger thing. It it was certainly um certainly more mainstream, but it didn't really um, become part of the general pop culture consciousness as broadly as it is now um, until after I kind of got started into things. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I was unusual that way because I got started because I wanted to do princess events for children. Oh, and so my yeah. first costumes I made were princesses because um, I love story time, right? And so it's a good chance to get to play with children. And get to be a princess, for goodness sakes. I was 5'11". How many people were going to pick me to play some sort of damsel in the play? No, no. I'm the villain. I know that. I'm way taller than everybody else. They're going to make me the bad guy. So I wanted to get to be the hero. (laughs) And you made that for yourself, which I love. Yes. Yes. And that's one thing cosplay. I've made all mine. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about cosplay because it really empowers you to be able to do that. Yes. Very, very much so. Um, the characters, oh, I think I, I lost count. I think I'm up to 75 different costumes and characters. Wow. I didn't expect then, the number that high, but I guess it makes sense. Y- yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. Some of them are characters of my own creation. Um, some of them are characters that I loved growing up. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a lot. That makes me think, what are your closets full of at the moment? And do you have to put anything in extra storage? Yeah. Do you still have them? I, uh, yes. And I'm I still sorry, wear that's them a lot of and questions. I still use them. Um, but actually, Trey, it's funny. You, you, you think that they all go in a closet? I have two whole rooms of my house. That's <laughs> full the answer of costumes I to hear. and props <laughs> and character stuff because I'm not the only character performer in this house. Michael does too. And he plays several characters between the two of us. We've probably got a hundred different characters and costumes in this house. Rooms. Yes. Two rooms, two whole rooms with just like the rolling racks in one of them. That one room has no furniture, just rolling racks. So for all of you home builders out there and closet and space organizers out there, this is a niche market. Just saying. <laughs> it very much is, Emily. 
Because I've struggled with storing costumes. Myself. I don't have anywhere near the amount that you do, but um, I I've, I have a closet plus of mm-hmm. and bins and other things. And bins. And Yeah, and I struggle with how to store all of this in a way that makes sense. So it's not all getting crushed and destroyed. And so do you have rolling racks, you said? So I have rolling racks and my costumes are in garment bags. Okay. But they're not in there individually. Like I'll group them by, oh, I do a lot of Jean Grey from the X-Men. Here are all of my Jean Grey costumes. Okay. Because it's mostly spandex. So like that was easier. Um, my a lot my bell dresses, I have the blue dress that she wears in the village in the beginning of the movie. And then I've got her gold ball gown. Those are in the same bag Those along with Michael's favorites. Cogsworth. Cogsworth lives with Bell because they all go together. I, okay. So That's can you Michael's. just list <laughs> off the top of your head some of the costumes you have? Because you said several for Jane Grey. Yeah. But so I have, well, um, others. Um, I have both the um, Kiss the Girl Ariel and a swimmable mermaid tail I built from scratch. Um, so two versions of Ariel. There's nothing like doing a pool party as a mermaid and swimming with it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I do Merida, I do Elsa, um, I do Wonder Woman, I do Supergirl, I do Batwoman and Batgirl and a couple of versions of Batgirl and a couple of versions of Catwoman. Yeah, there's there's so many characters. I've got a, um, a fairy and a dryad that I've created myself. Um, Buckleberry Fairy um, and Callist is my dryad. Um, so there's just, there's so many. There's so many different characters. Um, my Renfair character is Tess Atura. Um, so I've got test two. There's just, again, two rooms of my house. <laughs> I'm a I'm little, so... I'm sorry, Trey, were you going to say something? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. One, the music pun and two, um, the, uh, the delightful nature of the character that you just described. So, uh, I'm here for it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I wanted something that was, um, so the character is Irish. My Renfair character is Irish. Um, she is the daughter of a sailor and she loves sailing songs in particular. Um, and Trey, I'm an alto. And so it's a little bit my thumbing my nose at all of those sopranos who think they get to be the lead. Tessitura, this is my vocal range. Mine. As my a, sweet spot. <laughs> as a low-voiced male, Tessitura, I completely understand. Right. And it's easy for people to remember um, because when you introduce yourself uh, in the accent and you tell them your name is Tessitura, it's easy to remember. Very simple. Ready? Tessitura, Lura, Lura, Tura, Lura. And so you remember me as an Irish lullaby. That's how I clear out the pub at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have something that catches. And I do like a, a word play. Um, so Tessa Tura was going to work really well because Tess is one of my favorite names and it let me play with my love of music. Well, I'm enchanted. <laughs> Same here. Aww, I, I got, uh, when you said Buckleberry Fairy, I was like, oh, I'm a little jealous that I didn't think of that because right? I would totally create a whole fairy costume out of that. My dog's name is Huckleberry and we call Aww. him Buckleberry all the time. And he's That's not around wonderful. here. I'd hold him up. But I, so Buckleberry Fairy has a special place in my heart because of him and Lord of the Rings. Because mm-hmm. it's a reference. And I love that play. Caponis is saying, my dog. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. 
<laughs> he keeps trying Absolutely. to take my dog. But um, I realize here real quick that Nightbot is displaying um, <laughs> Tatiana Pimentel's information from last week. So I need to activate the other one for tonight. My apologies. Of course. Not a problem. So Buckleberry is one of those things. Michael introduced me to Tolkien. Um, Michael reads entirely nonfiction unless it's Tolkien. Tolkien oh. is the one fiction exception he has in his entire library. Um, and it was required reading before our wedding for me to read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. It was that important to Michael. And Michael and I were married. We tried to book the chapel um, for Frodo and Bilbo's birthday, but it was taken. So we got the day before, which is the anniversary of The Hobbit's publication in the U.S. Wow. So very important in our household. So when I wanted to come up with a name for a fairy, I wanted something simple, something that would be playful, something that would catch an adult's ear as well, like it caught yours. Um, and Buckleberry Fairy in the Shire is how you get from the Shire out to the wider world, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a gateway guardian. So I wanted my fairy to be that gateway guardian. I love all of this. <laughs> this is, it's all interconnected and it all has meaning and some symbolism. And this is why, yeah, this is why I, it's, we're friends with it's important for me, right? If, <laughs> if your character doesn't feel lived in, then your character isn't going to feel as authentic, right? It'll be very clear that you're playing a part, but the more um, complete and fully fleshed out I can create that character to be, um, the more real they seem, right? Yeah. Both for me and for you as an audience member. So I do have to ask, you you mentioned Ren Fairy, you've mentioned that, and you've also mentioned being princesses for kids. Was there was there something that kind of helped you or helps you get into those characters or um, helps make it more magical for you? It, it depends on the character. Each character might have a word, a phrase, a little tune. Um, you know, there may be something to help me put on that character. Um, so, you know, Tess, it's the tour, lure, lure, right? That works really nicely for me. And for Irish characters in general, I just start quoting Maureen O'Hara from The Quiet Man, and I'm there. <laughs> um, love her to pieces. And so it's really simple to just... How do I put on the attitude and which attitude do I need to put on today? Um, but they do, they all have, um, they all have a method of putting them, putting them on and putting them in my brain, um, depending on what, what kind of character I'm playing. Do you make all of your own costumes then? I do. That's amazing. That was one question I had thought of when we were talking about the costumes is if you'd actually made them all. Do you costume for you and Michael? I do. I do. Um, both Michael and I are not standard canvases. It is not easy to find patterns that are well suited to a five foot 11 curvy woman. Um, Michael is five foot nine and curvy in a different way. And they don't make patterns shaped for either of us. So I do a lot of drafting and a lot of draping to get the patterns that we need. And then I'll have base fabric drafted pattern pieces that I can use and re-sew together 
make sure that the fit is good before I cut out the next costume for us. So I can always test fit. Um, My pattern is also my muslin. Um, And that just works for us. But yeah, I make them all, (laughs) which has been kind of ambitious. Um, Because I have to learn lots of different techniques. um, And I'm self-taught. So every new costume and character is typically at least one new set of skills that I have to pick up. They're so amazing, though. And so like, if you if you go to Lindsay's um, Instagram, which we've posted in the chat now, or her Facebook, you can. Well, are your costumes on Merrily Players? The costumes are on. Some of the costumes are on Merrily Players. Okay. Yeah, you'll see Michael's and my costumes there. Um, you'll also see some of the costumes that I've done on my Callist cosplay Instagram. Okay. Yeah, they're they're phenomenal. You've thought of these details and the way, like you do a lot with stripes. That is. I don't know. I love it, though. I do. Um, There was a red and white striped one you did around Christmas. Mrs. Claus. Yeah, Yeah, I um, I wanted I like um, a lot of whimsy Mm -hmm. in what I make. And I like a lot of um, I like for it to be tactile for children. I want it to be soft and huggable. So the red and white striped is a um, the striping is on the bias for the fabric and it is a peppermint stripe. So a wide stripe, yeah. two narrow stripes, another wide stripe. But it's on the bias, and so it spirals around my body. So it's like wrapping around a maypole. So and cool. it's made out of 100% cotton flannel. Oh. So it is very snuggly and soft and machine washable because I work with children. <laughs> and comfy. Very important. Yeah. There's hot cocoa all over my stuff if I, don't, if I can't pop it into the washing machine and pop it in the dryer. So you got to take care of those things. But it is striking and I don't know, it's I visually I'm I'm really into visual art, so that is it does it for me. It put it checks all the boxes for me. And I well, love that about you. the stuff you make. Thank you. Yeah. Wh- whimsy is important, a sense of humor is important. Um just a touch of kitsch. Right. Just a just enough kitsch or camp in it, um, that it seems a little otherworldly. Um, and that's what I want. I want it to seem more magical. I want it to seem like something you couldn't have bought in a store. Yeah. And and it does that for sure. Yay. Oh, good. <laughs> he, uh, Michael was showing us a picture of you and him standing together in front of a front door or kind of in an archway somewhere. And he was describing this, the belt in particular, just how much you learned with that belt alone. And we were like, no. No, or at least I was. And then we kept zooming in and it was like, wow, (laughs) just just the detail. So the the belt you're talking about is his Santa belt. Um, So I practiced that skill set on a smaller canvas, which was the belt for me. It was going to be a much narrower belt. So my belt is an inch and a half wide. And I had bought a belt blank to get started that was pre-dyed. So I knew I wasn't going to have to learn about dyeing and getting it to adhere nicely. To the, right. to the leather, it was fully like um, drum dyed. And so I worked with that piece of Herman Oak leather for me and it's hand hammered and tooled with a really beautiful um, brass stamp that I use and each one of those little sections of holly is hand stamped. And then once it had all like set with, the, with wet setting in the leather and the leather had all dried, then it was hand painting with leather acrylic paint, each little holly leaf and each little berry. And when I knew I could do it for myself, I knew I could also estimate about how much time it would take for Michael's belt 
based on differences in size and length. Mm -hmm. And so Michael's belt is four inches wide. <laughs> and I had to order a hide to make Michael's belt so that I would have a long enough single piece so that it would be as sturdy and stable as it could be. And I've got more leather pieces I need to make for him. He's getting um, harness straps, like you'll see on Santa in like the Macy's parade. So, like so he'll get some of those to match. So like suspenders and they'll be removable. So he'll have the leather ones. Um, so they call those harness straps because um, you want to make sure to, to adhere your character to what they're standing on because they're going to be in motion. Oh, um, and so that's okay. actually how he is safely clipped on on the float. For Michael, it would be for an aesthetic because people so associate that look with Santa. Um, so we've been putting him in suspender straps for years. Um, but this is the first time he'll have leather ones. So that's my big goal for this year is to finish his leather straps for the new holiday season. That'll be cool. We're going to have to look for those. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> so talking about Michael, um, I just kind of have to ask, and this is a little bit joking. Um, does he help at all with like sewing or creating or, uh, making cosplays at all? So Michael is an ideas person, but Michael is not a crafter. And so I will brainstorm ideas with Michael and I will bounce ideas off with Michael or I'll come to him for troubleshooting. Um, but all of the, the physical creation is me and my hands. But it's both of our brains. Yes. I love it. Yeah. He, um, he affectionately refers to me as the sweatshop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he will tell you that my least favorite words to hear him say are, honey, I have an idea. He said that. I, I on remember the this now, yeah. <laughs> because he knows it. I know it means I'm going to be making something. And typically I'm going to be fabricating something from scratch. And I may or may not have the skill set to do it. So I'm going to have to teach myself what I need to do to get us the vision that we want. And didn't, yeah. didn't you do that with baking too? Yeah. So baking. The kitchen was not was not a, a happy place for me as a kid. Like I just never had success. I was terrified of being burned. I, I, you know, I burned myself a couple of different times in the kitchen, and it was just enough that it was like, this is not the place for me. And I finally, um, after playing Mrs. Claus for some time, I went, you know what? Like, there's a difference between telling children that one of your favorite things in the world is baking cookies and actually knowing how to bake. All right, I got to be brave. I got to face my fear of the kitchen. I can do this for Mrs. Claus. Darn it. And so I started teaching myself how to bake during the pandemic <laughs> because I wanted Mrs. Claus to be more authentic. Well, I, I'm thrilled to say I got to watch some of that process yeah. through your posts. And I mean, I was kind of impressed from day one because I saw some of those early... I don't, I don't want to call them attempts because they didn't look like attempts. They were just what you produced looked mm -hmm. delicious and amazing. And you, you will consistently post delicious and amazing things. And I'm coming to your house and I'm going to steal some. <laughs> <laughs> we're going yeah. to eat them all. <laughs> what's I'm really, what's really funny. So, so learning things, I made a list of all the different kinds of things I wanted to learn. And I set a goal to learn like one new baked good a month. That was wow. my goal. So I started, um, I started <laughs> baking at the end of 2020. I think the first thing I baked was gingerbread cookies because you have to start with like a Mrs. Claus staple. So I started baking those uh, late November, early December uh, 2020. 
and got so excited about the progress I made baking that I was doing three and four new things a month um, and was on quite a tear for a while. So I liked the challenge. And for me, um, the baking is, is, you know, the baking is chemistry. You follow a very specific recipe and that's easier for me to do. That's the way my brain is wired. I like precision. Um, but the decorating appealed to the artist in me, right? And the crafter in me. And so, oh, I can, I can pipe icing on cookies. That, that looks like fun. Or I definitely want to ice because before I'd done any baking in the kitchen, Michael would bake a cake and ask me if I wanted to ice it because I like that part. That feels very soothing to me to like get a nice smooth edge on a cake and a nice smooth top and to like try lettering. Um, so that I had a little bit of experience with, but that was long after the cake had cooled and there was no chance I was going to burn myself on things. <laughs> <laughs> what has been your favorite thing to, that you've learned to bake? Um, I really like a good sugar cookie. Um, it's not a complicated thing. It's just a vanilla based sugar cookie. And I like, um, making the Royal icing to go on top of it. And I like experimenting with the different designs for the icing. Um, so that was really cool. Um, I think the other thing I really enjoyed making, and it was, it was a process. I learned how to make homemade Oreos completely oh, yeah. from scratch. <laughs> I remember that now. So they're Michael's favorite cookie and they're one of my favorite cookies. And I thought, you know what? I should really learn how to make, I wanted to make some sort of sandwich cookie. Eventually I'll make my way up to things like macarons and, and stuff like that. But Oreos, let me do Oreos. I made the Oreo cookies and Michael went, these, these are, these are better than the Oreos. It was like, I found a recipe online. Like I did not make this up, but he started joking that he was going to replace the cookies that were on the display in the kitchen with like store-bought Oreos. So I wouldn't notice how many he had eaten. <laughs> and that's when I knew that I had a successful recipe that we were both going to enjoy. That is amazing. Did you get like, cause Oreos have like a specific imprint they do. Um, mine didn't have an imprint, but they did have the fluted edge. Okay. Um, I had a fluted edge cookie cutter. Um, my next goal, the next time I make Oreos is an imprint. I'm actually trying to learn how to do some mold making. And I want to sculpt like a Mrs. Claus design for the Oreos. Oh, and cool. Then, and then press them into the mold, pull them back out and, and do that. So we'll see. That's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. I thought it would be fun. Um and if not, I can certainly design something that could be put onto a roller, right, as a oh, relief. Sure. And I could just roll that and then cut out the cookies and do that. So that's that's next on the wish list is like North Pole specific Oreos. <laughs> that's still super ambitious, but I and I love it. Yeah. For that reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I I get very excited about things. You can't tell at all, can you? No. <laughs> not at all. Oh, we we do too. We're totally on board with this. <laughs> like Trey and his peppermint cupcakes. Oh my god! I, I okay, first a... of all, you said the magic word. Peppermint. I love peppermint. You do peppermint cupcakes, Trey? Tell me about yes. your cupcakes. Okay, so it is a double dark chocolate uh, base. So it is like chocolate with chocolate chips inside, and then Ooh. it is a homemade buttercream um, peppermint frosting. Very, very nice. I, I find as many ways to combine peppermint and chocolate as possible. Um, one of the things that Emily alluded to that I that I learned how to make is homemade um, peppermint patties, like York peppermint patties. <laughs> so I learned how to, wow. how to coat things in chocolate. 
then like there's this whole video I posted of me like with the little the little scoop right so I'm taking all of these little centers I've made that are the peppermint centers and I've got the scoop and I'm having to like tap off the extra chocolate and slide it off and it was a time-consuming process so watching it sped up it almost needed the song yakety sax behind it like on the Benny Hill show um but I definitely wanted people to see like how much time it takes for this process when it's homemade versus having like an enrobing machine like they would have at the manufacturers oh my god um one yes to peppermint patties but also yes to peppermint yes yes and I'm so glad that two of the three of us here love peppermint Emily, are you not a peppermint person? I'm not. It's kind. It's kind of a migraine trigger, which is the opposite oh. of what most people will tell you. They say peppermint is supposed to help migraines, and it does not for me. Which is a long story about being in a hot car in my childhood with mints in my dad's dashboard. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it turns my stomach. Kick. I understand that. Capona said she loves candy corn, though. <laughs> I can't believe you brought that candy- up. <laughs> candy corn is wonderful and deserves far more love than it gets. And really I don't does. care that I'm 40. I still make vampire fangs with them. I don't <laughs> yes. care. I am a vampire fang candy corn eater, and I love those little Malamar's pumpkins, too. So I do. Lo- yeah, like, okay. I'm with you. We're good. <laughs> Apparently, when I was a child, there's this... Well, I know the story, but apparently when I was a child, I liked candy corn more than I actually do now. And Ah. I would tell my sister, because my mom would ration out a, I don't know, I think it was like a quarter of a cup. There was a cup in the kitchen she used to scoop out a certain amount of candy corn, and that's how much you got. And so my sister and I would each get that much. And I (laughs) I told my sister, in order to get more candy corn... I told her it was made of wax. Of course, it's not true. No. But she believed me and thought that was gross and gave me her candy corn. I didn't really expect. (laughs) Caponis is laughing. He's one of our moderators. I didn't expect (laughs) her to really actually give it up or, you know, I expected her to just kind of come on, you know, or I didn't expect her to lifelong hatred for candy corn at this point from her. She hates it. Because of that. Like, I, I ruined candy corn for her, and I'm but so sorry. But I understand. <laughs> I, I understand. The things the things we tell children stick, stick with them, right? The yeah. things we tell children stick with them. For instance, when we would finish trick-or-treating, I'm the oldest of three. I've got two younger brothers. When we would finish trick-or-treating, we would come home. And when Dad happened to be home on Halloween, he would say, Kids, I was just watching the news and I heard that there was some sort of issue with the Butterfingers. You know how people have like been putting mean things into candies to like hurt children? I heard that they did it with the Butterfingers this year. I'm going to have to take your Butterfingers from you. All of them. So my dad kept taking the Butterfingers every year, several years. I don't know why these not so nice people would target the Butterfingers. Well, I learned real quick. But I have a distaste for Butterfingers because I knew I was never going to get to have one. So I am not that different from your sister in the candy corn. You tell a kid something and it sticks with them. <laughs> I'm so I'm so sorry for both of you though because <laughs> Dad can have the butterfingers. I'm making all kinds of lovely things in my That's kitchen. True. I'll be fine. That's true. <laughs> Still as an adult I feel a little guilty. 
But that's why I have to be very careful about when children ask me questions, what my answers are. Because I don't know if the thing I say is going to be the thing that stays with them. Right. And I don't know if the thing I say when they see me the next time, they will remember and ask me about. Which is why having a fully fleshed character and having answers that are true to that character for you is so important. Right? Because children remember. What an impact to have. And to be aware of. That's so important. Very important. Yeah. Very important. There's a Sondheim lyric um, kind of at the end of Into the Woods where the witch who winds up getting um, unalived, we'll just say. um, (laughs) Yes. She comes out and she has this finale with all of the other unalive characters and they all sing, uh, careful the things you say, children will listen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very touching. And I could get very deep with that lyric, um, but uh, I will I will refrain from doing so. Well, I, I tell you what, instead of, because it can be very poignant and it can be very powerful, but um, the motto that sort of carried me through my adulthood is mm-hmm. be the hero you needed when you were a child. And so I think about what I needed when I was little and when I put on my characters, that is what I want to be for these children. Right? Um, if, there's, if, they, if they would like to hug me, that is always okay. I never offer a hug. I always receive because consent is important. And I always let go last because you don't know how long that hug needs to be for them. So if they've let go, it's time for me to let go too. But you hold them until they're done. Good insight. If you'll excuse me, I need to go grab some tissues. I'll be right back. Yes, of course. Of course. (laughs) I I was. I know. I I know. Okay. (laughs) However, if you're going to say something for me, I'm going to be sympathetic and understanding to you. That's literally what I do all day. (laughs) So if you need a tissue, you are always welcome to go get one. (laughs) Silly request or not. (laughs) Um. One thing that I was very surprised about, um, kind of an abrupt change here, but very surprised to learn was that you have a TED Talk. I do. And I tell you what, I think it's more surprising to people when you realize what the topic is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Because I am a chatty human being, um, but you would not expect that of me because my TED Talk is about my being on the spectrum. Oh. So... um, Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't find out, um, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 33. So I've only known that I was on the spectrum for seven years. Outside of that, I had people in the world around me who decided that they were going to go ahead and unofficially diagnose me with all kinds of things. Mm. That's not how that works. It's not helpful Um, either. It's not helpful. And so I got called all kinds of things growing up, Um, you know, type A, perfectionist, OCD, right, ADHD, all kinds of stuff. Those, those aren't actually me. Um, I didn't get the, the term autistic until I was 33. And then when you hear <laughs> podcast listeners and viewers, as, as you hear all of the different things I get into and how I hyper-focus on them, did it just click for you? Because that's why. I love my special interest areas, and I'm very passionate about my special interest areas. Um, And caring for children is one of them. 
And there are so many different things I have learned how to do simply because it will brighten the day of a child. But that's what my TED Talk is about, is being, um, being called lots of things that all had negative connotations. And that's not as accurate as it could be, right? Mm-hmm. You, could, you could call me uh, perfectionistic, but what you mean is detail-oriented, right? And that's not a negative trait. That's actually a resume skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's about reframing those things that people perceive as your negatives or that you perceive as your negatives and thinking of them as your superpowers. Love that. Yes. Yeah. Be the hero you needed. So I'm imperfect and very, very loud is the title of my talk. It comes from one of, um, it comes from a, a book by one of my favorite artists, actually Amanda Palmer. Um, that's what she wanted people to see her as. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to be human and I'm going to be differently wired. That's just genetically how my brain is. And I'm going to share it with people because it might help somebody, you know, to talk with with children. You know, I'll see a child who is nervous or excited about a character, but the way that they're expressing those nerves and excitement about the character is they might start rocking and they might start stimming with their hands. They might start shaking their hands back and forth. And I know that little one's like me. So I know how to approach that little one and make them feel um, welcomed, celebrated, and not alone. Um, and so I like being able to do that, but I was grateful to be able to give that Ted talk. So it was terrifying. It's a terrifying process (laughs) when you have anxiety about social interactions. Um, it's very true though, Trey. It was funny. The organizers of, of TEDx Charlotte, um, 2017, you'd go through some really wonderful, um, peer review and peer coaching and you don't find out that you're officially going to be giving your talk until about two weeks before the show. Oh, okay. Um, they, they, my group, they narrowed down to 15 people, but they only had time for about 13 of us to be on the stage. So we all worked on and developed our talks throughout the summer through peer review and peer coaching. And then you have a final audition. And from that final audition, you find out who your 13 are. Um, and once I found out that I was one of the final 13, they said, so we got to talk to you about show order. <laughs> I said, okay. And he said, I have two options for you. And I I went ahead and decided, because I think this is probably going to be the best choice, getting to know you and your talk over over time. You're either going first or you're going last. And I went, oh, and he said, and because you've talked about your anxiety, I don't want you to be in your head all day. I want you to enjoy yourself. You're opening the show. And then you can relax the whole rest of the day. And it was a gift. It was a total gift getting to go first. There was one person who introduced things before me, and then I came out and gave my talk. And <laughs> when I got off stage, oh, you guys. <laughs> um, so I made the outfit that I wore for my TEDx talk, and it's made out of old bed sheets from the 1990s, white bed sheets covered in Marvel superhero logos, because I needed to like put on my equivalent of a super suit, right? I dress for the, the traits I need for the day. And I didn't just need one character. I kind of needed all of them that day. (laughs) And I made my skirt to have four pockets in it. And there was a fidget of some kind in each of my pockets in case I panicked and I needed to touch something for reassurance. But when I finished my talk, it went really well. I was very happy. Uh, I didn't miss anything. I didn't trip up. I found my right pauses. I was really proud of the work I had done. 
I got what I thought was off, out of view of the audience and I thought I was in the wings and I started stimming, right? Because I was overstimulated and I had extra energy to get out. So I started hopping and sort of flapping my hands by my face like I'm fanning myself. That's what I do when I'm really excited or really anxious or really overworked and I've got extra movement to get out of my body. I was not fully off stage. And the audience watched me bunny hop and flap off stage. And the MC noticed it and went, that is the cutest and sweetest and most proud little bunny I have ever seen. Because he, everybody understood why, right? There was no judgment about it. I was in front of a thousand people live and goodness knows how many online. And I stimmed in front of everybody publicly. So it was one of those um, once in a lifetime moments um, that was really um, life affirming for me. Well, and how genuine and raw that is has has a an impact that I think uh, you probably didn't expect because you thought you were off stage. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> and you and you can't see it in the video, but everybody in that auditorium saw it and and giggled with me right it was it was celebrating with me yeah um because they got it right they laughed at all those parts parts in my in my talk when i talked about being awkward they they understood it and a lot of them had experienced it and hadn't really recognized it so they were all um they were all very much with me when i hopped off stage <laughs> oh perils of getting excited but yeah, that was that was an incredible moment. For our viewers to save for later, we did post the video of that in the chat, the link to the yeah. YouTube. Um, so you can watch that later. So it's only about nine minutes, so it doesn't take up it's, a lot. To it's about time. nine minutes. Um, and there is a term that we use in there that's no longer used in diagnostics. So um, they're working to get away from the term Asperger's. Okay. Um, there's a there's a troubled history with Hans Asperger himself. And so we're now using on the spectrum, but that has only come to light really in the last handful of years. Okay. So you'll hear me refer to myself as on the spectrum or autistic versus Aspie or Asperger's now. Okay. And thank you for letting us know. Yeah, of course. That's that's a shift that's been happening over the last four or five years in particular. Mm -hmm. Um and these are ever-emerging terms and ever-emerging um, ways of describing the diagnosis. So, It's something I've noticed, too. I haven't seen mm -hmm. that word used very often anymore at all. So, Yeah, you'll, you'll see us say on the spectrum to be as understanding and inclusive as possible. I like that better. Yeah, me too. Yeah. One of our other moderators, uh, Archer, said, it's official. We love Lindsay. Aww. Uh, yeah. And to the pockets uh, the pockets discussion, we have uh, three comments that all just say pockets in all caps. <laughs> pockets. You, you have to have pockets. You have to. Yes, you do. We are all very, on the podcast, 
in general, if anybody's listened to any of our other episodes, we love pockets. We're huge advocates for pockets. Yay, pockets. <laughs> I I have I children ask me about my my pockets when I'm when I'm in several of my characters. Not all of them have a pocket. But all of Mrs. Claus's stuff has pockets, and children will ask me about them, and I just smile and say, where do you th- think I keep my North Pole magic? Ooh. Because you never know what I'm going to pull out of a pocket. You never know. Um, I've got pockets built into my skirt. I have tie-on pockets. There are pockets in my apron. It's, oh, here, out of the middle of all of this peppermint stripe. Oh, look, you needed a handkerchief. Here you go. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, here's a little piece of the Northern Lights. I've got that with me today. What do you need? <laughs> what does a piece of the Northern Lights look like? So, so um, I've got a piece of um, like an iridescent quartz. Okay. That uh, I describe to children as um, crystallized piece of the Northern Lights. Um, one of my bits of my magic is Mrs. Claus. I collect the Aurora Borealis. Uh, I bottle it most of the time because that's the quickest way to get it because it is so fluid. Um and that's how we get the reindeer to fly, that and the training that I give them. So I have a bottle of Northern Lights that swirls and it's got um, pigments and mica powders, color shifts in it and a bit of glitter and a bit of, of color to it. And so it looks plain and blue or clear and simple. And then you shake it and it swirls blues and greens and purples and pinks. And it's also a calm down bottle because I believe in keeping therapy tools with me for myself and the children but I don't have to call it that. We just sit and we watch the Northern Lights settle over the horizon together. And it takes about three minutes for all of that to settle to the bottom of the bottle again. That is phenomenal. It's important. I, you know, Santa's alive and you don't often get to see him in real life. And my job is to make it easier to meet this larger than life figure. My job is to be the sweet, soft, gentle one who can introduce you to Santa if you're nervous. And when I'm a princess, Michael does that for me, right? Cogsworth introduces people to Belle. The snuggly duckling thug introduces people to Rapunzel, right? Because they get nervous when you've got a large character like that, a large hero character. So I went around and I was part of the local touring group also here in Charlotte for uh, for the local opera group. And they had an educational outreach and being able to watch kids' faces a lot is like one of the most amazing things. People kind of underestimate how much energy kids actually have and give to adults, whether they be performers or teachers or whomever, but they honestly give so much back to you and when you have Mm -hmm. their attention you you've got their attention Mm -hmm. absolutely they um children haven't children haven't felt forced to filter they haven't been uh they haven't had to measure their level of excitement and joy Mm -hmm. um so they they give you their most earnest most wonderful most raw magical emotions and adults typically don't do that because we thought oh well that's too big that's too much oh i can't let people see just how like i'm excited but i'm going to be like grown-up level of excited and that's why right why why filter your joy why why tamp down your own magic which is why i love working with children 
And the other group I really love working with is the elderly. There is nothing more fun for me than walking up as Mrs. Claus to an older woman, an older man, an older couple, right? And go, oh my goodness, look at how grown up you've gotten. You know, I remember when you were five and you were just the sweetest sister. And they light up because they don't have to filter anymore, right? Why? So when you're really young or when you're older, those filters are gone and you get pure, raw, magical joy. We're going to need a minute. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... Because magic isn't just for children. You know, I, I, I said earlier tonight, magic is for children in body and children in heart. And so it's needed. And so I'm, I'm, I try to be that magic maker for everybody. It's important for me. And frequently, grandparents get overlooked. And they shouldn't. Santa and Mrs. Claus have candy canes for them, too. And apologize for that time we forgot to bring them their tricycle when they were three. We brought it the next year. We had a hard time with supplies at the North Pole that year. But we love you and we were proud of you and like any of those things. And it typically is a tricycle or a BB gun, in case you're wondering. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who is a frequent viewer on the channel, said... Um, this is what I'm relearning is to stop saying sorry for being excited or anything really no more filter. Yeah. Yeah. And we were conditioned to say sorry, right. To apologize, to apologize for, as Lewis Carroll would put it, our too much muchness. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't, right. My muchness is what makes me me and your muchness is what makes you, you. So I, w- I want to celebrate those things, right? And and living living life as a as an adult who plays dress up, who's on the spectrum. I am a forty year old woman who pretends to be a princess, right? People say, oh, well, you know, you're too old to be a princess. You're too young to be Mrs. Claus. Why? It makes me happy, and it makes others happy. Why? Oh, I will get on my soapbox about being called too young as a Mrs. Claus. I will be on that soapbox for a while, so I'm not going to do that. But I have been playing this role since I was 29 years old. Yes. And not just playing this role, but I'm the daughter of a Santa Claus. Oh. I promise you I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing, and I, and I get to play this my whole life. I can be Mrs. Claus until, until my last breath, and I will be. That's happening. <laughs> you are getting so much love in our chat. Yes, um, you are. <laughs> and you're also getting a lot of love for us right now because I don't think that either of us have been to Speechless before. Um, oh, well, I don't mean to do that. I want you to be excited to share yourself. Oh, no, it's, <laughs> but it's I... all good. It's Yeah, it's all positive for sure. Um, Dave's gang, um, who we know, that's Dave, he is listening with his dad he said and he has a daughter named clara and he recognizes that excitement in clara that he yeah. said it's clara and that's the best joy yeah. and uh kaz actually also said i'm sobbing i love Lindsay." oh 
Cass, I remember you when you were very little, and I'm sorry about the candy corns. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kaz also said you're healing a lot of inner children tonight, and I think that's incredibly true. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I I have often joked because I I do try and live my life, you know, imperfectly and very very loud, that I have an outer child and an inner adult. Oh, I love that. I do. I have an outer child. Um, I play dress. I play dress up. Like that is <laughs> that is how I make my living. I play dress up, and I go and spend time with children. And if I'm out there as a fairy, I'm not just out and and playing with children at the fairy house festival and just oh i'm just gonna stay out here in the grassy area oh no i'm in the woods i'm trying to fit in the fairy houses they're building i'm climbing in the shelters in my wings and playing a whistle in my nose because i want you to find me right like yeah right no no (laughs) it's amazing no it's good it's good um but but that's why hold back right why filter we get one life and our job in this world is to do the thing that makes our hearts sing. And there's a lot of things that make my heart sing, and I'm going to do all of them as long as I possibly can. And when I'm done making my heart sing because my, my body won't do what my heart wants to do, guess what? I've passed it on to others, and it lives on in each of them. And maybe they'll pass it on to the next one. Right. So. This- this doesn't just need to be a segment. This needs to be an entire podcast of her own, please. At some point, <laughs> can, we, considering... can we have you come back sometime? I would love to. That we're I doing would love it. To. We're doing it. Um, I would be delighted and honored. So tomorrow, we're <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was. We're going. I'm going to change. Modern Romantic has. We usually have a little descriptor that says we celebrate romanticism in the modern age by featuring storytellers and performers and blah, blah, blah. There and we're going to add that we're celebrating muchness. Muchness. We're going to celebrate muchness. Yeah. Um, Kaz said, hold, how do you know about the candy corns? <laughs> <laughs> there, Kaz, there are some wonderful stories of... of- children that have come into my life that keep coming back into it. So it's important for me to remember each of the people I have met and to try and remember those connections that we have. Let me tell you one of my favorite stories. And of course you got to know about the candy corns. It's very important. (laughs) We clauses know everything. Um, But no, there, there was a moment. So I, I spent a lot of time attending cons and one of the cons I love um, is dragon con down in Atlanta over Labor Day weekend. Love Dragon Con. And when I first started going, I did a lot of princess stuff because it was 2010 and I felt like I could pull off princess fairly well. (laughs) So I met a little girl. Oh my gosh, Riley. Um, And that tells you something that I remember this little girl's name. So Riley was very excited to meet Merida. And she talked a mile a minute big blue eyes, little blonde pigtails. And she kept talking about how, how excited she was to meet Wave because she couldn't remember the name was Merida. She said, Wave. And so uh, Merida did the only thing she could do. Uh, she taught her how to bear hug because that's how you, you hug the people you love. And the next night, she comes running up to Belle in the blue dress. 
And she goes, oh, it's Belle. It's Belle. Belle, guess who I met yesterday? I met Wave. And I smiled and I said, you must be Riley. Merida told me all about you. Are you going into kindergarten next week? And so Belle talked with Riley. The next day, she saw Belle in her ball gown and came running up to Belle in her ball gown. <laughs> I end up seeing Riley about five different times during a three-day span of the con. And she comes up to me uh, the last of the times, and it's aquarium night. And I'm in my swimmable aerial tail laying <laughs> on the floor in front of one of the tanks. And I'm doing environmental education like you do, because those are my neighbors and I know all about them. Um, I actually have a bit of a background in some environmental education. So I was really just teaching about the aquarium fish that I did know um, through my experience, having worked in the hands-on science museum in town for eight years. And she came running up and spent time with Ariel and wanted to hug Ariel and told her all about how Wave taught her bear hugs. And Belle knew about her teacher and her school and all of that. And when, when she was done, she sort of scampered off and mom looked at me and she said, this is her first convention ever. And she's met so many princesses. She met Merida and she met Belle and she met Rapunzel and she's met you. And I just wish I could tell all of these princesses just how impactful her time with them was. But boy, I wish I could do that. And I looked at her and I went, but you just did. And she pauses a second and she looks at me and realizes that I've been the same princess she's been talking about the entire con. <laughs> the next year I ran into Riley again. And I was dressed as Queen Clarion from the Tinkerbell movies. And she came running up and she says, I know who you are. You're the queen. And I went, oh, you're Riley. Are you excited about first grade? Oh, and my God. Riley looked at me and went, uh-huh. And I said, and you've lost some teeth. You know, the tooth fairy was telling me about this. Look at that top tooth you've lost. How delightful. Are you, are you being a good listener? Are you? And her, the parents are having a moment. And mom elbows dad and goes <laughs> and realizes they've run into the same cosplayer again. So I ran into Riley about three years in a row and it was amazing. That is so cool. <laughs> and Riley will believe in magic because everybody knew wonderful things about her and what happens when you get into your kindergarten class and you get earn stickers if you do a good job. And because she told me all of it. Over the course of the con, she probably spent about an hour and a half bending my ear in little wow. chunks throughout the con. It was great. So it's important to know those kinds of things. And that's magical to her, mm -hmm. which is important, too. I really, yeah. yeah, that's Kaz said, that's precious. And Archer said, or that's Josh. He said, <laughs> oh, my God, that's that interaction with Riley is freaking brilliant. <laughs> Truly, you, you have to you have to know what the child needs. You have to know what the child needs. I have another really fun experience with a, a little one at con who needed who needed to feel seen. So he had run into Michael while Michael was dressed as Cogsworth and getting us breakfast in the morning because princesses take slightly longer to get ready than clocks. Clocks wind up and they go. Um, it's true. <laughs> and and um, this, this little young man um, recognized Cogsworth 
was very excited. Beauty and the Beast is his favorite movie. Um, and, and he wanted to see Belle. Uh, and he was trying to communicate that with Michael, but we realized, Michael realized that um, kiddo is mostly nonverbal and autistic. Parents signed a little bit um, with, with this one, and he wanted to share his love for, um, for the character. And so he covers one half of his face, and he begins to sing because music is important to princesses and Disney characters. And he's doing his best to sing um, Music of the Night from Phantom of the Opera because that's his favorite. And I'm trying to get down there um, to interact and I can't get down there. I get stopped by two little girls and you don't say no to children. Um, So I don't I don't see him immediately, but I run into him later on that day. And when a child is there, like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're sitting there and you're, we were sitting on the floor and posing for photos and I had my princess skirt all spread out because I needed a break, but I wanted to be cute while doing so. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> don't just too. sit. Your princess sit. You have a circle skirt on and it circles you and you've got a place for reading a book to children. And I always carry a book with me. Um, but I see this little boy approach and I see just a little bit of sign. And I went, oh. This is this one. Okay. And immediately the rest of the world falls away. And I said, hi, my name's Belle. It's good to meet you. And he lit up because I sign. And I said, do you want to be my friend? And he said, yes. And I said, come and sit. And we'll read a book. And so I got to read a little short story from Aesop's Fables um, to him because that's what I carry as Belle. They're quick, they're digestible, and children can read one to me or I can read one to them. And moments like that are powerful, right? Can I greet you in, in your language? Can I, can I sign a bit? And I do sign a bit. My grandparents are deaf. Um, I'm out of practice. I'm very out of practice. But I can sign enough to make a child feel happy and welcome. That's what I want to do. You know, it's important. And Santa Claus is learning how to sign too. <laughs> <laughs> he remembers Santa and Merry Christmas. And then for Christmas, what do you want? So he remembers those things. Oh, like what do you so want for Christmas? we're getting Michael to do that too. Okay. What do you want for Christmas? Yeah. You got to be able to ask. You have to be able to ask. Um, you know, it's important and powerful it is. in any way that you can help. <sighs> Children are frequently overlooked because they are little mm-hmm. and they are young and what they think and what they have to say is not deemed as important by the big people in their world. And that's not fair doesn't matter how big and tall I am. I am sitting on the floor and we are looking eye to eye and I'm going to see you and I'm going to hear you. And each one of you gets your own moment with me. That's important. You should be seen. Is, <laughs> is that hard to do with many kids around? How do you balance no. that? No. No. Each one of them gets their time and they know. Okay. Because what will happen is... I, I will frequently get kind of bombarded and that's okay. Yeah. There's plenty of room on that big old circle skirt. I'm 5'11". That's a big circle. <laughs> plenty of room for you to sit down like it's a picnic 
and I'll say, well, why don't we all come in together and be friends? Can I read all of you a story together? Right? The more the merrier. Come on. And then can we each take turns getting a picture? That would make me so happy that we each get our own special picture. And they like that because they get a special moment and they understand everybody else also gets a special moment. Right? It's needed. It can definitely be done. Okay. <laughs> I was just... You doing okay over there, Trey? No! <laughs> and that, that is fine. Based um, on what I'm seeing, our audience is not okay either. <laughs> oh, my friend. But in a good way. In a good way. Um, they, it, need, they need some tissues is all. To your point, um, kind of going back to what you said earlier, there is a child in all of us, and all of us need to be seen. And I think mm -hmm. tonight all of us are being seen a little bit. And it's, um, it feels a little jarring at first if you're not used to being seen. Right, it feels a little bit like a spotlight sometimes, and it can feel a little raw. But, but we share a spotlight, right? When you're seen, there's also the viewer, and we can share that spotlight together. I can help. I can help you find your bravery, and the amount of children who have helped me find mine. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a. It is a gift to be able to live authentically loud and live with my outer child. It is a, it is a, a gift from children that they see me and they recognize that even though I'm big and I'm older than them, I'm one of them. That's a, that's a powerful thing. I, you know, I'm surrounded with magic makers, right? Goodness knows Michael's a magic maker. Oh my gosh. The, <laughs> you, you you have to you have to know the the impact that seeing a, a character performer in your world has on people, and we count among our friends some of the most incredible character performers on the Ren Faire circuit. Oh my God, there's nothing cuter than watching the Lord Mayor flirt with Twig the Fairy. <laughs> it's really sweet. It's really sweet. He brings her little mushroom shaped chocolate treats. And tries to propose. Twig's a little flighty, so she never says yes. It's it's charming, right? Like, you can have these magic moments and they can be silly. And you can have these magic moments and they can be sweet. And you can have these magic moments and they can be touching. Right? But yep. make magic. Never be afraid to make magic. Never be afraid to try something different and outside of your comfort zone. Because you know you can share joy. Right? You're unique. You have your own spark. And what you do impacts others. You know? I'm a 40-year-old goofball who was the awkward nerd kid that people picked on in high school and middle school. I got to be this height at 12. So you know I've got jokes about the height. You know I've got them. <laughs> and you know they're coming, which is why Elsa was right there. She was ready when somebody says, why are you so tall? You have to know these things, right? <laughs> when you see how tall I am and you ask where the beast is, do you think he was able to fit as easily in the carriage that I rode here? As tall as I am? You know how much taller than me he is. <laughs> Very easy. You know it's coming, right? <laughs> yes, that is great. Um, so a few comments from the audience. We yes. have... Um, 
well, Kaz said, Trey is sobbing, the audience is sobbing. And Dave's Aww. gang said, it's amazing the energy that comes back when you connect and teach young ones. Um, mm -hmm. Archer said, Josh said, we know Twig, and that does it. We are freaking keeping Lindsay. Holy Moses. <laughs> <laughs> and Kaz, Twig, is, Twig is so sweet. She is just I, one you of know, my sweetest fae friends. Kathy's one of the people I was going to try to get on the show, but she's been in, at Arizona. So I was waiting for that to end. Super busy. Yeah. yeah. Super um, busy. So we'll get Twig the Fairy on. Probably not you in should. character. No. <laughs> no, that, that would be a very, <laughs> that would be those long pauses, those long, awkward silences. Yeah, we wouldn't get a lot. Of, we don't want those. We wouldn't get a lot of sound out of her unless she played that. The Alos, the double yeah, flute. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name of that. Yes. And okay, then Kaz said, oh, go ahead. A-U-L-O-S, Aulos. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I want one. That yeah. would be so cool. Um, for a while, Twig also played a pan flute, the multiple reeds. Mm -hmm. um, but the Aulos allowed her um, more flexibility with weather, temperature, and, and, and other stuff. She can talk about those things, too. But I play a single Irish whistle, sometimes in my mouth, sometimes in my nose. And I get it. You have to pick an instrument that will work for all weather. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> Especially with the humidity of the Carolinas. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Kaz said, I do run fairs. I go as a dragon. And if a kid starts to interact with me, I play along and never tell them I'm not part of the fair. Oh, of the cast. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Those those moments when a child comes up to you, Cass, that's that's perfect, right? If they believe you that you're a dragon, you're you're a dragon. Um I've also been to cons where um, children had gone up to a group of people who were doing a Disney photo shoot and they came across a bunch of princesses and I watched princesses say, go away, you have grubby hands. Oh no. And I was like, nope, this is not happening. And I immediately step out of the crowd and go, hello, my name's Belle, what's yours? And that child gets 15 minutes of my time. I don't care what else is going on. I don't care what else is going on. And when I was done with that particular interaction, because that did specifically happen, um, the little girl was very excited. The dad said, I'm so sorry, we have to we have to get going. And he just looked at me and he said, Belle, I can't believe you took that time with her. And I said, when you visit me at the at the kingdom, I don't get to spend the time with the children that they deserve. And I'm really, really grateful I got to spend extra time with Rachel today. So thank you for sharing her with me. Because you, you can't get those kinds of interactions. Why would I ever say no to a child? So if they come up to you and say, oh, my gosh, you're a dragon. You're totally a dragon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's true. I can vouch for that. I showed up to, right? a, I showed up to a Halloween party as Elmo once. Aww. And I made the costume because adult-sized Elmo costumes are yes. hard to come by if you can. Yes. And so I made the costume. So it wasn't very accurate looking getting the eyeballs accurate is hard um so and it was kind of just a hood with eyeballs on it um yeah. but there was a little four-year-old boy at this party that i wasn't expecting any children to be at there was a little four-year-old boy that he was attached to me the whole night he thought i was elmo and so he Aww. just wanted me to sit next to him the whole night and like yep. you said you can't say no to that you can't say no. So to I that. spent my my evening at this Halloween party next to this little boy sitting on the couch, and I don't know. We watched TV, and yeah. And then he, when you... he went to bed, I got to say good night and then have some fun at the party. Oh, but... 
Yeah, it was really You know, tuck-ins are my favorite. I don't get to do them often, but I do love a good tuck-in and a good night story. And then I head downstairs and I head on my way. I love those. It sounds like you have super fulfilling moment after super fulfilling moment. Are there, is there any, you've told us a few stories, but is there any that stand out to you as being like a a pinnacle? I I think my, my signing experience with my autistic friend was probably that, that might've been it, but I've had lots of, lots of lovely moments like that. And I think one of the other things too, and I haven't really talked much about um, sort of why this is so important to me. This has always been important to me, but it's even more important because I have a lot of love to give children and life did not work out that I got to have my own. I've wanted them my whole life. Did not work out that way. Michael and I have tried um, for a long time. And so I've got all of this love to give children and I don't have any children in my house to give it to 24 seven, which means I got to get this out. (laughs) Like I have to, I have to get this out. And so instead of getting to be, you know, a parent to, you know, one to two or three children, I'm, I get to take care of everybody else's children. And I, I counted it at one point between running summer camp programs and birthday parties and events. And, and I've directly had about 50,000 children come under my care in wow. some way, shape, or form. And that, that's important to me. Yeah. That's important to me. Um, love is boundless. There is no limit to it. And I have a never-ending supply. And there are so many children who need love and hugs and care and to feel seen. So I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing that. What are... <laughs> you good, Trey? No, I'm really going to go get some tissues now. Like, I'm not kidding. I'll be right okay. back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's, you know, it, I, it's important for me to get to share these kinds of things because, you know, other adults see an adult who plays dress up for a living and, oh, they must be weird. N- no. No, um, it may seem strange to you that I'm willing to be a little silly and I'm willing to be, you know, uh, an aspect of myself, but not, not entirely me, right? When I'm Belle, I'm Belle. When I'm Mrs. Claus, I'm Mrs. Claus. When I'm Elsa, I'm Elsa. Um, but, you know, if, if they've ever seen me interact with a child or if I've interacted with their child, they get it, right? Yeah. They get it. They see it. They get it. And they don't forget it. So the next time they meet somebody who wants to make some magic, they are more open to the experience. Want that. Caponis uh, in the chat said, I'm the son of a pre-K teacher. All the feels for that sentiment. My mom has that philosophy for her kids. Very, very much so. Right? I, I, I'm glad to hear that that's coming from, from the child of a teacher. That's important, too. I am a former educator. I'm a former classroom teacher. Um, not with the little ones. It's not what you would expect. I taught ninth and 10th grade gifted and IB English literature. Oh. <laughs> I love kids. 
Um, but I would show, I would dress up on day one of the unit. Like I showed up as Cyrano de Bergerac for my sophomores oh, cool. and let, and didn't like preface it for them and let them mock me for the prosthetic nose I had on and my musketeer garb. <laughs> and then I introduced the play and their understanding of what it was like to be on the receiving end as Cyrano was vastly different because they had participated in it at first. Oh, what a lesson. <laughs> what a great so, way to deliver it. Right? Right? That's, there are lots of different ways you can impact people. And that's one of mine. I will dress up and I will get silly. And you're going you're gonna to learn some lessons with me. Right? That's important to me. That's one of the nicknames I had in middle and high school. It was derogatory at the time. It was Miss Frizzle. My classmates called me Miss Frizzle because I had frizzy hair and I dressed funny. Now I play Miss Frizzle at events. And it is my goal to be a Miss Frizzle, a Mary Poppins, right? Um, the, my mom and I have talked about all the different sort of day jobs I've had around my world of performing and entertaining. And we've decided that I'm, I'm sort of Nanny McPhee. And the line that I love, and it's one of my favorite actors who plays Nanny McPhee, is um, when you need me but do not want me, then I must stay. And when you want me and no longer need me, then I have to go. And I love Emma Thompson delivering that line, and that is my thought. I go where the children need me. And so sometimes the winds shift, and sometimes I pick up a new character, and sometimes I retire, retire a character. I haven't retired <laughs> but I pick up a lot of new ones <laughs> because the winds shift and I need to impact the children in a different way than I had before. So one of the, one of the quotes that I give to a lot of the people that I work with is take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Get messy. <laughs> and in being in this very professional business minded, like you see me, I'm wearing, this is, these are my dress clothes. Mm-hmm we we think about work as not a place to like go and play and have fun and do that sort of thing and so i'm like no this is the exact right time to yep. take the chance <laughs> make those mistakes and get messy yep yep so uh so miss frizzle for me growing up that that was my hero that was the person that i needed in my life mm-hmm for sure I meet I meet a lot of people who, as adults, better appreciate Miss Frizzle, um, and I've and I've participated in events where adults came up to me when I was in my astronomy dress with my school bus purse, and sort of looked at me, and they went, "You seem familiar." And I went, "Well, I distinctly remember you not always enjoying field trips. Glad to see you've gotten over that." <laughs> right? Like they're like Arnold. Arnold complained every time. And it was always wonderful. <laughs> um, so acknowledge that you're a Miss Frizzle fan. Be willing to take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. Right? And be willing to play. Right? Be willing to play. Grown-ups don't do that anymore. And that's a shame. I agree. You I'm know, sorry. I'm I'm married to another player, right? Our company is merely players when we do events and things. Because I'm a Shakespearean. And that was happening. Uh, all the world's a stage and all the men and women, merely players. Um, 
but I, you know, Michael and I play. I knew Michael and I were going to work very quickly because I met him through Renfair and he owned more pairs of tights than I did. Like I knew I'd found somebody <laughs> who appreciated play, right? I knew. I knew. Oh, man. And and he's been wanting to expand into more and more things, right? When Michael and I met, he was not Santa. And he wasn't Santa for a little while. Until one day he looked at me. I, I didn't push it. Like I, I wanted, but I didn't push it. Um, because I have always wanted to be Santa Claus and was told I couldn't be because I'm a girl. Mm. I may not be Santa, but I am a perfectly strong, capable, and independent clause. And as an English major, that gives me joy. <laughs> there are two types of clauses in this world. There are subordinate or dependent clauses that cannot stand on their own as a complete and full thought and sentence. And there are independent clauses. My missus is an independent clause. She stands on her own as a full, complete sentence. But when Michael looked at me and he said, honey, I think I want to be Santa. Okay, I might have cried more than a little. And I said, okay, what kind of Santa do you want to be? And we talked about it. And so his is styled more like Father Christmas, right? Um, Michael's, Michael's father is a uh, first-generation American-born uh, Scots and English. So he was going Father Christmas. It's like, perfect. Awesome. Yeah. And I made the suit and I got him ready and I sent him out on his way and I like prepped him as much as I could because since I was 10, I was a keeper of the secret of Santa and I helped Santa make his rounds. Helped him with his eyeliner, helped him with his blush, straightened his beard, and literally sent him out through my neighborhood. So I coached Michael, <laughs> watched him do it for a year, and I was like, well, I want to do this too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I joined him a year later. Oh, my, my phone is saying I've got like 10% battery remaining. Um, oh. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so I, I joined him the next year, and he's like, you're 29. Are you sure? I was like, no, I've got this silver wig and not a white one because a white one will not look real. And your beard is a little silver gray white. So we will match. And I promise this will work really nicely. And my first costume I wore is Mrs. Claus and I still wear it with my Mrs. Claus underneath all my layers is the dress that I wore when Michael and I got married. Oh, I, I wear my wedding dress. That. Yes. I wear my wedding dress. And when children compliment my dress, I can honestly tell them, thank you. This is what I wore the day I married Santa Claus. And they get to see my wedding dress and I get to twirl in it. And then we get to have lots of fun. And nobody has worn their wedding dress more than I have. <laughs> like, Probably nobody not. Has worn, nobody has worn their wedding dress more than I have. I wear my wedding dress uh, anywhere from like... Uh, typically about a dozen or so times a year since 2007. Wow. Yeah. It, I wear that dress a lot. A lot. And it was one of the first things I ever made. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So what are you working on now? Um, right now I've got a big to-do list for the clauses um, because it's important to get ahead of the season. And I did a really smart thing. I did the post-Christmas, all of the Christmas fabrics are on clearance. Oh, yeah. And bought in bulk. So there's more of those peppermint stripes 
I've got cotton peppermint stripes in red and green. We're both getting reversible uh, waistcoat vests. Um, that'll be like green peppermint that reverses to a green tonal holly pattern and then red, red peppermint that reverses to a red tonal holly pattern. He's getting shirts. He's getting the, the leatherwork braces. And that's part of my getting excited for the Santa schools that we attend. We, uh, his first school is later on this month. And my, my first school, we're going to it together, is at the end of April. So I tend to like break out one of the new pieces to wear in class. Um, so yeah, it's definitely Santa season for me while I've still got the joy from the holiday. And Santa school <laughs> is where you go to learn about? You, you learn how to be a great Christmas performer and entertainer. Okay. Um, and it's really delightful to get to hear um, how each individual person who is a clause or an elf um, handles questions from kids. What are the things that they do that they specialize in? Um, so it's a really awesome opportunity for us to get to see what else is out there. Uh, which allows us a better sense of like who we are and what we currently do and what we'd like to expand into. Cause again, this is a rest of your life kind of gig. If you well, live at the North pole, it's a rest of your life kind of gig. Well, and I, I, I know that Michael talked about it a little bit, but I guess the average person wouldn't think that there's any kind of training or support for the clauses out there um so that's yeah kind of there, there definitely is um we didn't do that until uh, we didn't start taking classes and stuff until 2021 um michael and i were in <laughs> we were independent clauses him in uh 2009 i think and me starting in in 2010 and so we were self-taught um and then wanted to see what else was out there and how we could grow and how we could grow not only as performers but also as as business owners sure right how do we how do we get ourselves out there right which is a terrifying thing as a performer <laughs> yeah well yeah the business side of it in general would is the unpleasant intimidating side, yeah absolutely sorry trey did you have something no, I just wanted to say I brought tissues this time. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to know that think, you have your tissues with you. I think Kaz needs one. Oh, Kaz had a question. Do you need a candy cane dragon? <laughs> <laughs> I will welcome any and all creatures that appreciate some time at the North Pole. So candy cane dragons are certainly welcome. Santa hangs out with the polar bears. I hang out with the reindeer. I'm sure there's a candy cane dragon up here somewhere. <laughs> One thing that I would like to ask you about, um, so I, I've heard rumors, and please dispel the rumors if they are not true, but I heard that there is a Kermit the Frog outfit? There is. Um, I have a version of Kermit the Frog that I made that is that is very um, sort of simple and straightforward. Um, it's designed a little bit like um, the, the bunny suits of the Playboy Club of the 1960s, right? So it's a sweetheart neckline bodysuit. Um, shaped like a bathing suit. Um, there is a rhinestone pointed collar. There is a lily pad fascinator. <laughs> I love that. Um, and there is a giant rainbow sash for my rainbow connection. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Kermit is not that it's super easy being green, but Kermit is one of my favorites. 
the the amount of dad or i'm sorry the amount of just puns in general that have been dropped into this entire podcast have just filled me with so much uh, internal joy uh thank you that's all i have to say absolutely it's you know it's important to leapfrog around a little bit show your range You forget which house I'm in. I'm so glad you did that. I'm so glad you did that. You forget which house I'm in. That was perfect. And it's important to be a sweet person. You catch more flies with honey. That's right. Mm. Or (laughs) Oh, the frog jokes in this house in particular. There's a lot of them. I'm sure there's a lot of them. So, so whenever you are getting started with creating or coming up with characters or looking for new ideas, whether it be for baking or crafting or um, creating costumes or characters, what inspires you? <sighs> uh, the things I daydreamed about when I was a kid, right? When I played pretend, who did I pretend to be? I'm still playing those characters. I fell in love with Jean Grey when I was 10, and now I have made everything she wears in the comic books from 1963 to 2000. Like, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling all of those childhood wishes and dreams. Um, uh, or my favorite flavors, or Michael's favorite flavors, right? When I'm in the kitchen, it's what do I think will be straightforward, easy, fun, um, nostalgic. It's got to have a bit of nostalgia and whimsy to it. Um, When I'm creating a costume, it's what feels good from a tactile point of view, right? As a a person on the spectrum, I need it to be a soothing touch. And I need my character from the moment that you give them a hug, if you want to give them a hug, to feel comforting tactily, not just the hug, but the actual fabric. Um, So I make all of those kinds of choices um, when I'm doing things. I I want to feel like a warm and welcoming hug whether it's something I've baked or something I'm, I'm wearing. Um, and I design things that can be washed. Boy, oh boy, is that important that you can wash it at home. <laughs> it, yeah. So important. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's where a lot of that comes from. It's a lot of my outer child um, appeasing my younger child self. I love that though. Mm-hmm. And what a thing to be a goal and a focus, but, but that hug. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. What's your battery at? Um, I'm not sure. Let's see here. I think my battery, it doesn't want to tell me right now. (laughs) I think I'm, I'm below 10%, but I'm doing okay. Okay. Well, we can wrap up. So we're not getting cut off. That might be a little better. Sure. Um, Anything else you want to talk about before we go? No, I'm just really grateful to get to to share some of the things that drive me. And it sounds like it's it drives others, too. And that makes me really happy. Um, there is a feeling of when you work with children, you know that the children see you. But it's not always an adult who sees you, right? They see you if it's that if that's their child, but they might not see you otherwise. So I'm really grateful for all of the um, children at heart. Who are chiming in here it um it's lovely to be seen so thank you yeah uh josh said please come back and chat with us again that's a sentiment yes. i have as well we would <laughs> yes. love to have you back heartedly yes. please we would love that um so how you can connect with Lindsay? um she is on 
Facebook. It just went through the chat for anybody watching. So um, she's she has two accounts on Instagram. You've got, tell us the difference between those. So the difference between them, Callist Cosplay is all of my varied costumes. Um, so that's K-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-C-O-S-P-L-A-Y. Um, and my Mrs. Claus is a full separate account because I want it to be something that if your children are on Instagram, they can jump on and it's not, oh, I'm off to Santa school. It's, oh, well, Santa and I were doing. Okay. So that's, uh, that's Mrs. Carol Claus. And her name is Carol because she loves music. Oh, I love that. Trey and she's loves his that Christmas, too. Right? She's his <laughs> Christmas Carol, Trey. She was just a Carol before and now she's a Christmas Carol. The puns. The this puns. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, Trey, there's a whole set of like puns and wordplay with with what Santa and I wear. So yes. Would you say that is a whole, would you say there's a whole score of puns? Oh. There is indeed a score of puns, and you might notice that there's lots of song references in Santa and I. Santa wears gold and I wear silver. Ah. Uh... Silver and My gold. garland is the holly and the ivy. Ah. Uh... <laughs> there will always be sleigh bells and jingle bells by my side. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's all oh, the music puns. I love a good music pun. They are underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Kaz, give me a second. Sorry, Kaz asked for the Instagram <laughs> handles. Of course. There we go. And on Facebook... Uh, you can find Lindsay's work at uh, We Are Merrily Players. It's facebook.com slash we are M-E-R-E-L-Y players. I put the link in the chat. You can also search for Merrily Players. And it's the their um, profile picture prof- is the yeah, masks. Yeah, the profile picture is the masks. Yeah. It's comedy, tragedy, and trivia. <laughs> That's how you know you have the right one because there's a couple That's out right. there. That's right. Because there's, yeah, there's a yeah. couple out there. It's a, it's a fun wordplay to have, so. We are not the only ones. Yes. So that is how to uh, follow Lindsay. And oh, there she goes. Oh, no. <laughs> she lost her connection. That's right. We got a chance to finish, which is great. Lindsay, uh, we loved having you. Thank you for coming on. We're definitely going to have her back because that was so great. And I think we all need some Kleenex now. And I do. You can probably hear how congested I got. I I I'm sorry to our viewing audience. Like I'm sorry, but I I, I don't that. You don't have to be sorry. I think it was wonderful. That was that was so incredibly delightful, um, Lindsay. Um, if you are listening to this or if you're watching this, um, viewing from some electronic device, thank you sincerely. Thank you so so much. Yes, for sure. Thank you. And yeah, Capone says thank you as well. Um, you know, that's what I love. That's This is why I wanted to do Modern Romantic, because I saw how these things. Oh, she's back. <gasps> Yay. Oh, she's back. In, so I apologize if I'm harder to hear, but I was able to unplug those and plug in my power cable. I felt so bad. No, that's all right. We were never. <laughs> we didn't you know you'd be back. Before so... you say goodbye. That's very important. I'm never so let glad. This is good. No, I, um, I, I didn't leave. I never leave. My phone died and I am back. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just saying about how we're definitely going to have you back. And that yeah. I was starting to say that this is why, this is why I wanted to make Modern Romantic 
yeah. as a thing because I believed in the power of storytelling. I believed in the power of art and the power of music and the power of all of this. And yeah. these are the things that, these are the things that really matter. You know, it's not yeah. money, you know, or, or technology, even though we're using it. <laughs> and yeah. And the power that that has. And we talked with Laura Packer recently, who explained what power she has with storytelling and how she got started because a guy, um, oh, rem remind me what his name was. It was, uh, um, Mr. Something or, um, oh, it's not going to, I'm going to have to cut this out of the podcast because it's going <laughs> to, there's a guy, Brother in, Blue. what's that? Brother Blue. Brother Blue. Yes. There was a guy named Brother Blue who said to her, you have the power and it, and it just unlocked everything. And now she's amazing. I mean, she was amazing before I'm sure, but now she like has this, that she has this impact on people with storytelling and that that really connected with why we're doing this you know and the, and the yeah. art, the artists out there like Kaz who just who just dives into making uh leather armor for horses for instance those are the things yeah. that that you shouldn't like you said you shouldn't be shy to to do it go you said it better than so, I'm about to so one of one of my favorite life philosophies, in addition to be the hero you needed when you were mm -hmm. a kid, is a quote from one of my favorite authors. And it's Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss. Yeah. And that has stuck with me my whole life. Um, follow your bliss, right? Never be afraid of your too much muchness and be the hero. And those are, those are sort of life philosophies for me. I am, I get to be part of a bigger story when I play a character and what I'm doing, not that I'm going to get deep into philosophy again, but um, what I'm doing is I am tapping into these universal, powerful, subconscious archetypes that are already familiar to you. Everybody who meets me as a character and everybody who meets me as a person go, you remind me of somebody. And I don't know who it is, but it's typically your favorite aunt, the teacher you loved in elementary school, right? The sweet little old lady down the street that always had a snack for you. Like I remind you of your favorite caretakers um, because I, that is an archetype that resonates with me. And I have a lot of care to give so it's going to feel familiar, but you're not going to be able to put your finger quite on exactly where it is. But it's Miss Frizzle. It's Mary Poppins. It's Nanny McPhee. It's Amelia Bedelia. It's, <laughs> it's all of these kinds of figures that were important to you. And it's nice for them to finally see you back. So the power of the archetype and the monomyth is important as a storyteller. And I do that in the way that I play my characters. You have the power. Well, and yes, we all do. Power. We, we all do. Yeah. Um, but we haven't given ourselves permission to tap into it, or we're afraid of what will happen when we do. So. Like playing at work. Play at work. <laughs> Absolutely. Play at work. 
I said that you for know. Trey's benefit. <laughs> Mostly. It's, it's true, but I'm sh- For everyone, it's really. Though. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, you know, Trey, I didn't, I didn't mean to make it a little tough on you this evening, but never underestimate the power of making an adult come to tears. It is one of the things that at work, I am the person that it probably cries the most. And it's mm-hmm. literally at just about anything. Yeah. Um, but I had someone who um, I hadn't, I'd spent a little bit of time with them um, and kind of get to, got to know their personal story a little bit. And whenever, whenever I graduate a class of like new hires, because I am a facilitator and I teach new hire groups. And when this person got up to speak and they wanted to say a few words, the things that came out of her mouth about just how much she appreciated being seen. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the, the openness of tears and everything at that, at that instance. And I looked around the room and I just kind of went and looked at everybody that was just watching. And it was just like, this is, this is what that person needed. It's mm-hmm. not, it was not part of the job description. It was not part of anything, but taking that little bit of extra time just to, to reach out a hand to somebody and make them feel yes. seen and make them feel heard. Yes. That so, and you do not have to apologize for anything because we should never really be sorry for anything unless we do something wrong and unlocking someone's feelings is not doing anything wrong. So thank That's you. That's true. You're welcome. You're welcome. It is unexpected. That is the apology. <laughs> don't mind unlocking the feelings, but if you weren't ready for it, <laughs> that is where the apology comes in. Um, but now, now you'll know um, for the next times we get to talk, um, which I am, I am delighted in. Um, I, it is, it is, periodically you'll you'll see me look off into the corner if you're watching in the video. And so you'll see that I'm thinking, but you'll also see that I'm processing because one of my jobs is to show the kindness and the warmth and to wait until you have gone away before the tears come. Um, Because my role as a myth maker and magic maker and an archetype is to be strong for you. So you have the freedom to be as real and as you and as human as you are. But no, I'll, I'll definitely go off and cry. <laughs> like, that will happen. There will be, Michael will come home from hosting trivia and I'll go, I need a big hug and a cry and a piece of chocolate. Okay, let's go. <laughs> because, you know, you don't, you don't often get to talk about the things that drive you, right? Mm-hmm. That's not something adults talk about, especially not when it's playing dress up, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, a gift to be able to share that with you all and to be vulnerable with you all. So... Well, thank you. And my face hurts from smiling. (laughs) This is really wonderful. That's good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said that. We had a great time as well. This was wonderful for us as well. Um, 
If you are new to the channel, what we do at the very end, which isn't yet, but we go and we, we call it raiding another channel where we go support someone else who is currently streaming. And we do it automatically so you don't have to do anything. We, we Please stick around because supporting someone else really matters to us. And we like surprising another channel with our presence. So we have the ability to carry everybody in the chat with us over to another channel after we're done. So if you just hang on uh, till after we're done for that, that really uh, gives them the boost that we would love to give. And so stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. That's part, um, of, that's part of the experience, right? <laughs> um, tonight, Lindsay, and to our viewing audience, if this is your first time listening to us, if this is your, I don't know, your 14th time listening to us, um, we do like to end our podcast with a quote. And something actually hit me from a movie that I haven't watched in a while, but this quote stays with me very, very often. Um, and it is from the character Aggie Cromwell from Halloween Town. And Aggie always says, magic is really very simple. All you've got to do is want something and then let yourself have it. Yeah. Um, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, um, lords and ladies of the realm, spring is coming. So do please check out our online store. We do have some really fine curated things like pillows and blankets, which I think we could all use right now. Uh, <laughs> Blankets, and... are, blankets aren't up there yet, but yeah, we're getting there. Pillows are. <laughs> pillows, pillows are different. Pillows for hugging. <laughs> pillows for hugging. Um, and we need some to start new... selling Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> and some new additions for spring. So if you have any suggestions, Kleenex, blankets, or any other comforting items, please, um, please recommend anything to us. Uh, for updates, announcements, and info on who our next guests are, please follow us on social media. We are on pretty much every social platform, including TikTok. Yeah. Um, Thanks again, Lindsay, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Loved it was an having honor. you. Yeah, thank you. Wait, I can't say that enough. I'm just going to end up repeating it. <laughs> Thanks for coming, everybody. Take care. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.